you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to invite you to either click to or turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 18 is what we're looking at this weekend. But I'm going to focus in on the last few verses, 15 through 18, as we just look at this message. See, we've been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians, and Paul has been, began helping us, and he is helping us understand the, the Christian life. And so the title of this message this weekend is, is just the wonder of Christianity. And Paul begins unpacking what it means to be a follower of Christ and what exactly that looks like. He begins talking about that we weren't really born a Christian. In other words, we, we had impaired spiritual vision. It was like this veil that was over our face. And he's going to use Old Testament illustration with Moses and going up to the mountain. Uh, and there he was with God when he got a glimpse of God and that whole story to help us understand that we, we were born with spiritual impaired vision. And that the time came when we met Christ, Christ is the one that removed that veil. And because of that, we had 20-20 spiritual vision. In other words, we were able to see clearly. We were able to see clearly the Lord in, in, in Scripture. We were able to have spiritual eyes, in other words. And so I don't know if you've ever struggled with, like, impaired vision. Uh, when I was, like, in the third grade, I started having trouble seeing the, uh, the chalkboard and would always have to sit like the first seat in the, on the row and near the chalkboard to be able to see it when the teacher was up there writing whatever she was writing on the, on the chalkboard. And so my teacher recommended to my mom and dad that maybe I should go see an eye doctor. And so I went to an eye doctor and, and I went for an eye exam and walked away with glasses. And, and listen, that was in a, in a time when glasses were like totally uncool. You only had two pair of eyeglasses to pick from. You either got a black pair or you got a brown pair that kind of a transition to, to clear, which is like the progressive thing, the cool thing, but they weren't, they weren't cool at all. And so I, I wore glasses. I had impaired vision up until about 15 years ago. 15 years ago, my, my good friend, Dr. Mike Coatney, uh, performed LASIK surgery on me. And it was amazing. I mean, I went in, um, and just after a few minutes with him, I, I walked out, actually left my glasses there, and I went home. And within hours, I'm sitting on the couch with my family. And I'm watching TV for the first time in my life with like 20-20 vision. I mean, my vision had been totally restored. And I no longer had like impaired vision. See, this is what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about that when we come to Christ, the veil has been lifted. It, it, well, let's just read and see what he, is, what he says. Verse 15, starting out in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's what Paul says. He said, yes, to this day, wherever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. See, this is like spiritual LASIK surgery right here. Tossing the veil is removed and some things happen. Verse 17. Now, the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So Paul wants us to be clear and he wants to make sure that we understand that guess what? This veil is lifted only by Christ. It is lifted only by him. It is not us to, uh, up to us to change somebody. It is he who changes people. And so the veil is taken away when people meet Christ. And whenever they meet Christ, they, they turn to the Lord and they accept him. He completely removes the veil from their heart. There, no longer is there spiritual 
perception impaired, if you will. And a person meets Christ, and, and, and all of a sudden they see him clearly. They can see the word clearly. And they can, for the first time in their life, they can look at the world and their problems and their situation with spiritual eyes. And verse 14, Paul says, he said, but their minds were hardened for to this day. When they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. This is someone who hasn't met Christ. Because only through Christ it is taken away. And so Paul is just coming back to this and says, I I need you to understand. Transformation happens in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, Listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And Jesus is the one that removes the veil on our hearts. Jesus is the one that gives us like, like, like 20, 20 spiritual vision. In verse 17, he goes on and he says, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the veil. Freedom from having impaired spiritual vision. Freedom from coming to this place. It's just, it's just freedom from the veil. For me, it was like freedom from glasses, right? I experienced an all-new type of freedom in my life that I've never experienced before. I mean, I could do some things differently. Why? Because I didn't have to wear glasses any longer. And the same is true in the Christian life spiritually. Verse 18 again, he goes on, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. So that's, that's a process. We're going to understand that into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He is talking about spiritual transformation. And then Paul in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2, he helps us to understand, to know what God's will is for your life. That's really where we're going to settle in today as we just look at this. See, this is the wonder of Christianity. The wonder of Christianity is something spiritually happens to us when we follow Christ, when we become a believer, when we are a follower of his and the veil is lifted over our hearts and and we can see spiritually some things that we've never been able to see before. And then Paul in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 starts talking to us about this issue of how to know God's will for your life. See, I believe it's possible. You and I can know God's will for our life in difficult circumstances, yes, even in 2020 that we can understand what his will is for our life. So here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. He's talking about believers, okay? By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, so this is an imperative, this is a command. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So I want to give you three things with the time that I have with you this weekend. I want to give you three things about finding God's will, discovering God's will. This is a wonder of Christianity. The first thing is this, is there is a dedication. There is a dedication. I mean, verse 1 tells us that we're to commit our lives totally to Christ. The secret, listen, the secret The secret of knowing God's will starts with dedication, starts with committing your life to Christ, starts with coming to that place to where you say, God, I just want to do your your will. I'm not asking what it is in advance. I'm going to say yes in advance. I just want to follow you. And so what is the reason for dedication? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. The reason that we dedicate ourselves to God, the reason that we commit ourselves to him is because all that God has done for us, when we realize that, when we become aware of that, and he used that phrase, by the mercies of God. Why should I dedicate my life? Why should you dedicate your life to God? Because of his mercies. Because of his grace, because of his forgiveness, because of his love. I mean, when you realize how good God has been to you, surely, surely we ought to give our lives in return to him. 
And that's, that's the starting point. The starting point of the Christian life is the starting point of knowing God's will. Is this issue of dedication. Listen, let me just stop right here. This is just so important. We can't pass over this. If you've never dedicated your life to him, if you have never accepted him, this would be a great time. You don't even have to get to the end of the message, right? This would be a great time for you just to say, God, I, I just dedicate my life to you. I commit my life. I understand your mercies, your grace, your forgiveness. Lord, I know that I've sinned. I know that I need forgiveness. Lord, I have seen your mercies. I've seen your goodness. And Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Give me, give me the gift of eternal life. Listen, right now, if you're watching and you're watching this live, you can go up to the top of the screen and you can click request live prayer, prayer partner. And a prayer partner will meet you in a virtual prayer room. And they would love by text to have a conversation with you. They'll answer any of your questions. They'll, they'll count. They'll, they will minister to you and they will lead you to this point. And so maybe you just need to talk to someone. Listen, if you're watching it on demand later, that's fine too. You can go up and cl click on connect card. And you fill out a connect card. Let us know how we could minister to you, the decision that you made. Uh, and we would love, listen, we would love to help you. And so it starts, what Paul says, it starts with dedication. And the next thing, it's voluntary. Listen, you cannot force anyone to accept. This is something that, this is something that someone cannot do for you. It is totally voluntary. He makes a phrase and he says, to present your bodies. This is something that you do. And it goes on and says, <coughs> excuse me. He goes on and says, it is holy and acceptable to God. In the Greek, it literally means well-pleasing, which means to, to make God happy. And it, it makes God happy when we commit our life to him. And then when he goes on and he says, and he says, he said, this is your spiritual act of worship. Sometimes I think we misunderstand worship. Worship isn't something that we just do in a worship service. It's not just singing a song. It's not just hearing a message and taking some notes. It's, it is deeper than that. Worship, just by the pure definition, worship is any time you and I commit our way, commit our life to God. Any time you commit your... <coughs> excuse me. Any time you commit your way to God, you're worshiping Him. A commitment of your time, your talent, your resources, your money, your life, that, that takes energy. That is an act of worship. He says, do you realize we can live in a constant state of worship by just honoring him with our life and committing our life to him? An act of worship is when we as a church, when we gave, we gave what I learned now, we gave over 400 toys to CASA. I mean, there, there's hundreds of families and hundreds of children are going to be blessed this Christmas season because of your act of worship of giving those toys. The, the, the Mimbezi blessing bags, uh, the 180 to the 190, and many of you are still gathering bags up and you're still dropping them off of the church. That is, that is an act of worship. It is an act of worship in your career and your profession when you dedicate it to the Lord and you understand that you're going to use that position as, as an ambassador of Christ to influence others, to minister to others. And then he goes on and he gives this warning. He says, do not, be, do not conform to this world. See, this ties back. When you look at the, the structure, we don't have time, but when you look at the structure in the Greek, the Greek language, the original language that this was written in, do not be conformed to this world ties back to dedication. 
Because one of the many reasons why we're not dedicated to the Lord is because so many times we're dedicated to so many other things. We have so many other priorities that somewhere along the way it gets missed. And so he talks about this issue about do not be conformed to this world. He's not, listen, he's not talking about people. He, God loves people. And he's not talking about people. He's talking about, he's talking about the world's value systems. He's talking about the culture. He's talking about don't get caught up in this age of philosophy that is like this me first, this world's philosophy. Don't listen, don't be conformed to that is what he's saying. He's talking about He's not talking about things. He's talking about values. And in some Christians, unfortunately, they, they imitate the world. And listen, being pro-Christian has become to me more of a political term than a biblical term. But when a pro-Christian movement no longer means Christ's likeness, something is terribly wrong. And Paul is saying that a culture is totally unreliable source for getting guidance of life. So don't be conformed to this world's value systems. If you want to know God's will, then you, you can't get your clues from, from the world. And listen, let me tell you something. For a number of years, I'm almost 20 years, I had, I had a doctor. And, and we, just, we developed over the years, we developed a really great relationship. And, and, um, and so I would notice when I would go in for a, a physical or exam or a problem or whatever, that he hated it. He literally hated it when I would quote the Google or, or the Internet or some, some medical website that I'd been to, and I'd self-diagnose myself or I'd ask him a question. And so, and so I noticed that, you know, what? It, it, just, it just frustrated. It made him almost mad. It just aggravated him. And so since we were friends and since I knew him and I realized it kind of irritated him, then I would just say it as much as possible. Even if the Google didn't say it, I mean, I would just say it. If it was something I wanted to say, I'd say, well, you know, the Google says, you know, the Google says. And one day he had enough and he turned to me and said, Charlie, I've had it with the Google. I've had it with these medical websites you're going to. I am your doctor. You need to trust me. Quit looking at all those other websites. Paul, this is what Paul's saying spiritually. Paul later on, right? Paul says, faith, faith comes by what? Faith comes by, faith comes by hearing Fox News, or we'll be fair, faith comes by hearing CNN, faith comes by some cable news source, faith comes by Facebook, faith comes by social media. Paul would say, no. Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Not getting our clues. Not getting our mission from the world. 1 John 2.17 says, And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the word of will of God abides forever. So the question is, where do you get your direction from in life? Where do you get your guidance? Who's discipling you? What is the basis that you live your life? In the Bible? How many minutes a week do you, do you read the Bible compared to how many minutes you watch TV or social media or news or whatever? And that's why Paul says, Don't, do not be conformed to the world. Conform, the root word is schizo, schizo, schizophrenia. It means to be double-minded. 
It means to be confused. It means to carry stress. The second thing is this, if you want to know the will of God, there is transformation that happens. There is a change that slowly starts happening. Verse 2 in Romans chapter 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewal of the mind. He's talking about the Holy Spirit changing us from the, from the inside out to where we know God's will. The, 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 the Greek word transformation, when he says, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind, the, the word transform in the Greek is where we get our word meta, metamorphosis. In other words, to be, be changed. In other words, that, that this metamorphosis happens, this process happens in our life. And the nature, when we follow him, the nature of our of our personality can be changed. Where we begin to exhibit Christ's likeness. We can love our enemies. We can bless our enemies. We can pray for them. We can understand this on a, on a, on a spiritual level. See, see, I am so thankful. I don't know if you are, but I am thankful that God is in the business of metamorphosis. God is in the business of changing lives. Thank God I am not stuck in my past. I am not the same person I was five years ago, and hopefully I will not be the same person I am today five years from now. And maybe you've had a bad past. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've had some bad experience in your life, but I'm telling you there is a God who loves you, a God who is merciful, a God who is forgiving, a God who is loving, and he says, I can do, if you will dedicate, if you will commit, if you will follow me, I can do a metamorphosis in your life. A lot of times this comes, I'm just telling you, this comes out of struggle. I mean, when you, when you look at the process of a caterpillar in a cocoon becoming a butterfly, a butterfly in the cocoon is pushing hard against the wall with its legs and with its wings and, and, and trying just, it's, it's a struggle trying to break free. And listen, there have been people that have, that have studied this and they've actually opened the cocoon early and let the butterfly out early. And what they learned that the butterfly could not fly because its wings and its legs had not been developed. The development of that comes, the transformation comes in the struggle. And Paul says... That a lot of times it's in that struggle. A lot of times it's in difficulty that all of a sudden we're forced. And we're forced to look at God and his mercies and his goodness. And we dedicate ourselves to him and we accept him. And the thing that has to go is what? Is the, is the cocoon. It's the cocoon. It's, 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 it's the past. That's why he says, do not be conformed anymore. I mean, this... This would be like me, right? After I've had LASIK and, and, and I have great vision and I don't need corrective lenses, this is like me going back and trying to put on these old glasses again. You know what? If I tried to put on the old corrective lens, the glasses that I had prior to LASIK, even though that was 15 years ago, it would cause me all kinds of problems. I couldn't see the, the, the future uh, properly. It'd be blurry. I couldn't drive. It'd give me headaches. It'd give me physical problems. There's a lot I couldn't do. Why? Because I'm trying to live the old way. I'm telling you, when you've accepted Christ, what has to go, that's why he says, do not be conformed to the world. What has to go is the cocoon. What has to go is the old way of life because you're a new creation. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The scripture says when Jesus Christ returns, we'll see him face to face. And we'll be changed in an instant. Or we'll see him face to face in heaven. That's why uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed. This is a process into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And we are being changed to be more like Christ daily. It's growing in the Christian life on a daily basis, little by little, unveiled faces. This goes back to an Old Testament illustration that Paul had, had talked about when Moses went up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, to get the Ten Commandments. God allowed him to get a glimpse of him, and when he did, um, Paul, uh, 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 Moses, I may have said Paul, but Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments commandments and God allowed him to have a glimpse of him and when Moses came off the mountain that the people said that his his face radiated this 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 glory this light and it hurt their faces as a result of that Moses veiled put a veil on to protect the people but what Moses realized was this is the 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 glory was fading but he kept the veil over his face cuz he he didn't he didn't want the people to know and that's why Paul says we don't we don't wear a veil but we reflect the Lord's glory reflect simply means this and in fact this is the only place this is used like in the in the New Testament and it literally means to contemplate and to look at and in other words this the the more i look at God the more i look at Jesus the more I'm changed to be like him, man, how do you and I look at, look at the Lord? It's through the Bible. It's through his book. And the more that I life journal, the more that I read his scriptures, something happens when I reflect and contemplate. That's why Paul says be transformed by what? By the renewal. Just the renewal of your mind. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The way that you change your life. That's why we life journal here is, is just reading scripture. That's why we just, we just systematically walk through scripture and we read scripture daily. Because that's the way we change. This is what Paul is talking about, this, this that we can, we can be changed as we reflect and we contemplate his word. Verse 18, again, he says, and we all with unveiled faces, unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He's saying, you know who changes us? The Lord. It's a relationship with him. Man, it's not up to us to try to force and fight someone else to change. So scripture says that this is his work. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The third and the last thing is this, is there's knowing God's will for your life. There is knowing God's will that you are, it doesn't have to be a mystery, something that's so important. God wouldn't make it really, really hard for us to figure out. And so it's important for us to know that, that you know what, there is knowing God's will. You can know God's will for your life. I can know God's will for my life even in difficult circumstances. And so just a few things about that, and then we'll close. The first thing is this, is God's will is always found in God's word. 
God's will is always found in God's will. God's will has already been revealed. And as we read his word, it speaks to us as we observe it, as we contemplate it, as we reflect about it, as we think about it, to where we say, what is, what is he saying to me? What is my observation? How can I apply this verse? How can I apply this scripture to my life? And so the first thing is this, is God's will is always found in his word. That's why it's important for us to be reading his word daily so that we understand that. The second thing is this, God's will never contradicts God's word. I meet all, people all the time that say, you know what, I have, this, I have this quiver in my liver. I have this impression. I have this feeling that God wants me to do. And then they'll tell me what God wants me to do. And I'm like, well, that contradicts God's word. God's word does not say that. And they say, you know what, I believe this is from the Lord. I, I believe this is right. Listen, I'm telling you, God's word never contradicts his will. God's will never contradicts his word, I should have said. And that's why it's so important to know Scripture. That's why it's so important to just daily reading of Scripture. And then the reason that we should discover God's will for our life, and, and Paul gives them, it's just three things. One is it's, it's just good. And that, that word good in the Greek means it's of, it's of high quality. I mean, it's the best choice. The second thing is this, it's just pleasing and acceptable. A lot of people think, you know what, God's will is like unpleasing and unacceptable. If, if it, I mean, if I follow him, he's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do, uh, that, that I don't really like, that doesn't really fit in with me, and it's just not going to be good. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> but when you look at Scripture, you realize that God's will is pleasing and acceptable. In the Greek, that means satisfying. Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and 12, it says this, of which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? His will is good and pleasing and acceptable. The last thing is this, is it is, it is perfect. It is complete. God's will is the best. Literally, when you look at that, it means it's tailor-made for you. It fits with how God has wired you, your, your talents, your, your abilities, your, your personality. I mean, it, it fits. It's custom-made just for you. God's will will bless you. I'm telling you. That's why Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but just follow him. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. It's your spiritual act of worship. And one more time, if you have never accepted him, this would be a wonderful time for you to do that, just to come to the place and accept him, ask him to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of his word? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is the next step that he wants you to make? His word again says, I appeal to you, therefore, he's begging you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you need to accept him, would you accept him? Maybe you know him. And maybe you just need to make a dedication and commit to him. God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out your will for my life in this season, in this time. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you just for the power of your name and your word. We thank you that, that we can look at your word and we can discern your will. Lord, help us not to be conformed by this world, but to be transformed by your word with the renewal of our mind. Be willing to get our our cues from you of how to live this life during this season, during this time. Father, I pray for your church. Father, I pray for those that we have in our church body that are sick at home or they're sick in the hospital, whether it's in Pueblo, whether it's in Colorado Springs. Father, you would protect them. Father, you'd give the nurses and the doctors great wisdom in how to care for them. And Father, would you bring them back to a full recovery? And Father, right now, we pray for our frontline workers. We pray for our doctors. We pray for our nurses. Lord, we ask that you protect them. Father, we know that many of them are exhausted and many of them are tired. Lord, we ask that you would refresh them. And Lord, we ask that we have plateaued and we're going to begin to decline in the infection, infection rate, not only in Colorado, but Pueblo and, and even the world. Father, we know that we can trust you. And we thank you for loving us, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've made a decision of any kind, we would love to know about that. Several ways you can let us know. One is on, on the website, whether you're viewing this on demand or, 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 or live, you can go up to the top of your screen, click connect card. If you made a decision, you have a prayer request, you have a need, fill that out. It goes directly to one of our pastors and we'll get in touch with you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this online service.